The whole world becomes a better place once Avraham Avinu is in it. We're going to see that alluded to at the end of this week's parasha. Siyum parasha end of our parasha, which says that Terach, the father of Avraham Avinu, passed away in a place called Choron, Pirish Rashi. Rashi points out that Hanun HaFucho, the final letter Nun, is actually inverted. Loimalach, to tell you, that until Avram Avinu came along, there was this anger directed from Hashem towards the world. What is Rashi telling us? The simplest way to understand Rashi would be as follows. It's not that the letter itself, because it is an inverted nun, that tells us the whole story that there was anger in the world until Avram Avinu came. Because you'd ask, what, what is there about a nun that specifically speaks to the the, the the concept of anger in the world. Ki'im, rather, what Rashi is telling us is, Shehanun ha'fucho bolerames, that this inverted nun is there to indicate, It's drawing our attention to the fact that, yes, Terach passed away in a city, and the city is called Choron. But that same word, Choron, also has a deeper additional meaning as well, which is Haremes de Charoin af. Choron and Charoin are linked, and therefore this is a word that alludes to divine anger. Then you would ask, so what is the connection between anger and our Pasuk? Now we're seeing that there's a connection. What's the connection? Then until Avram Avinu is on the scene, there's anger directed by Hashem towards his world. The only thing is, that's the simplest way to understand Rashi. But it leaves us with a question. Surely, if you think about it, Rashi's commentary, which is on this word Choron, which is supposed to indicate divine anger, has to somehow speak to the content of this Pasuk. We don't just draw out an insight which is unrelated to the Pasuk. And the Pasuk is not talking about Avram. The Pasuk is actually talking about Terach, Avram of his father. So how does Rashi make the leap that this Pasuk is actually referring to something that occurred in Avram or relative to Avram's lifestyle, uh, lifespan? The Pasuk says that Terach died in Charon. Surely the logical link would have had to be that the anger that Hashem is expressing is somehow linked into Terach's life because he's the subject of the Pasuk. Why does Rashi say that it's actually speaking about Avram who's not mentioned in the Pasuk and that there's anger directed to the world until Avram comes along? So Vabirbo's explanation is this. Because of the name of Ayamas Terach Bechoron, seeing as this Pasuk tells us that Terach passed away in Choron. If we're going to try and suggest that, oh, Terach is the subject of the Pasuk, therefore he is the subject of the divine anger. Okay, so let's say Terach is the subject of the divine anger, then logic says that that divine anger should have accompanied Terach until he passes away, because that's the content of the Pasuk. That's what we're being told is about Terach's passing, which is impossible. Why is it impossible? Because Rashi actually teaches us that Terach did Shuvah long before he passed away. So therefore there'd be no reason for Hashem to be angry at Terach until his dying day, which is what's recorded over here in the Pasuk. Therefore, Rashi has no alternative but to explain that the anger that Hashem has at the world, albeit alluded to in this Pasuk, actually has nothing to do with the personality of Terach himself. But rather there's this broad-based anger that Hashem felt towards the world at that particular time. Not to the individual Terach, but to the world. 
Ah, if it's to the world that I shall be zekosha, then you lost the question. If Hashem is, so to speak, angry at the world, why is the Torah telling us this in the context of Terach passing away? As we've pointed out, this anger is not specifically directed towards Terach, especially when you consider that he actually did Shavani, so to speak, to escape divine wrath. So why Terach as the subject of a sentence that's actually talking about Hashem's anger towards the whole world? Well, that Rashi solves for us. Rashi says, well, Terach is the progenitor of Avram. So until Avram, that's when there's this anger in the world. In other words, Rashi is telling us that this anger being described over here is actually spelled out into the very next Pasuk, which is, of course, in the next parasha, where Hashem says to Avram, you go and traverse to the land that, that I will then show you. In other words, Rashi is showing us, this inverted nun at the end of the last word of Pashas Noyach, in the word Choron, that is inverted. Why? To teach us that the anger of Hashem stops here. Till Avram, Avram in the next parish is going to change the mood. When Avram Avin arrives on the, on the scene and he now starts to illuminate the world with awareness of Hashem, that he started to educate people about Hashem, as the Pasuk tells us, then that's when the anger was removed from the world. Okay, so we're getting it now. Terach is a hyperlink, essentially, to tell us that you've got to pay attention to what's coming next, which is Avram Avinu's story. And the Nun HaFuchah tells us this is where part A of the story, the anger ends, and part B of the story, which will start in the next week's parasha, is where goodness starts to come into the world through Avram and his generation of awareness of Hashem. But there's still a question. Yes, we get it. That straight after this Pasuk, the very next Pasuk is about Hashem telling Avram Avinu to go on his grace to journey to the unknown yet, but soon to be disclosed promised land. But it does seem like a bit of a stretch to say that a word in a Pasuk at the end of one parasha actually belongs to the context of another Pasuk in a brand new parasha. That doesn't seem right. So in order to understand that, let's visualize what that Nun looks like and what it represents. Nun the long nun is a final letter, which is there to tell and influence and emphasize for us that the word has ended. And out of all the final letters that you could get, the nun is the one that seems most like a barrier between whatever came before it. It's like a complete stop, a complete pause. Because unlike other long, elongated Hebrew letters, the Nun doesn't have anything extending to the side, which would kind of imply that there's a connection or a continuum between one Pasuk or one word and the next. So let's say you've got a Kuf, right? So you've got the letter Reish, then you have a little gap, and then you have the, the line that makes it into a Kuf. So there's a little bit of a gap over there, which allows the possibility of connection maybe to something else. Something else can feed into it. This Nun doesn't. It's just a line, straight line, barrier, line in the sand. Now, the fact that the Torah took a nun, which is already a symbol of absolute break between what 
preceded and what is now going to follow, and it inverted that nun to represent that there's an element of anger associated over here. And not only that, we say to him, the Torah only changed the letter nun. Even though you would have expected the whole word to be somehow altered to represent this issue of anger. Because charon is actually the same word as charon as anger. Many times in the Torah, charon is written without a vav, spelt exactly like the word charon. Why does the Torah dafka draw our attention to the final nun and not to the whole word? Because the Torah wants us to know it's the end of anger. So therefore we're emphasizing the letter within the word of anger, which is the letter of the end of something. And that's what Rashi is pulling on and saying, well, the explanation is, up until here, up until the story of Avram, there is anger in the world. And now the anger stops. New parasha, new chapter, new story. But you could still really drill down into this and ask another question. Yes, we get it. The nun is the, the, the indication of a break. But there are two ways that we could look at this break. So nun is the indicator of a break between two separate parts of a discussion or in this case a parasha. In our case, it's the break between the end of Pasha Snech and the beginning of Pasha Snech. Still, there are two possible ways that the break could work. Out of one possibility is, The one possibility is, we're highlighting how long was the anger at play. So how long was that play? Throughout the whole story of Noyach until the end of Parashas Noyach. That's one possibility. Or, or you could say that this nun is supposed to indicate to us where the break happens, where there is no further anger. So what are we saying? Is the break to tell us how long the anger continued all the way to the end of Noyach's story? Or is it to tell us when the anger was removed which begins from Avram Avinu's story. Now Rashi is going with a second view. The question is, how do we know? Seeing as Rashi is commenting on the word Bechoron, you actually would have assumed that Rashi would have explained things in the first version. In other words, the anger of Hashem, because we're talking about a word for anger, Choron, which is represented in the word Choron. So the theme over here is anger. You would expect that Rashi would tell us the anger continued until a particular point. Why does Rashi take the other approach, which is to say, in the word for anger, we're going to read the ending of the anger. Why is Rashi focusing specifically on the ending or the conclusion of the anger? But the Rebbe says it's actually not even a big question at all. And the reason is because Context, the chronological context over here is really important because Parashas tells us, the very last thing it tells us, is the passing of Terach. Now, if you know the chronology, the passing of Terach is actually quite a bit after Avraham Avinu gets to his business of teaching the world about God. Rashi already explained to us that when did Terach die? Terach passes away over 60 years after Avram Avinu gets to the land of Canaan, which is of course in next week's parasha. 
ובכן, הוי, לא הוי רש"י יאכל לפורש עד מיסס טרח נימשא חרי נפשו מוקים בעולם. So therefore it's obvious to Rashi that the Turk can't be telling us that Hashem's anger persisted in the world all the way to the passing of Terach because that would imply that Hashem is still angry at the world 60 some years after Avram Avinu gets into the business of teaching the world about Hashem. Because as soon as Avram Avinu gets to work, then the Abishta's anger is already removed. And that's a, at least 60 years before Terach passes away. So there's no way that we could say, but Yom HaTerach Bechoran is telling us the anger continued all the way until Terach passed away. Therefore Rashi has no alternative but to say the Pasuk is not telling us how long the anger continues. The Pasuk is telling us what stopped the anger, which is Avram Avinu. Therefore Rashi is telling us this inverted nun, which is supposed to indicate the break, the stop, even though it's at the end of the parasha. is not speaking about the chronological context of when Terach passed away, which is stated at the end of the parasha. Rather, Rashi is expanding it into a broader interpretation, which is, when is there this Kharinaf in the world? Till Avram Avinu. Which means that Hashem's anger persists until Avram Avinu steps into the chronology of the ten generations. Because remember, there's ten generations from Adam till Noach, and there's ten generations from Noach to Avram and now that 10 generation period is over and Avram Avinu is starting a new section of generations that's when Hashem's anger is going to dissipate but there's still something we need to understand Why does the Torah even have to tell us that Hashem was so-called angry at the world till Avram Avinu came along? It's self-understood. If you read what happened at that time where they were terribly immoral and sinful, they served idolatry, etc. Obviously Hashem was not satisfied or impressed with their behavior. And obviously there was anger directed from Hashem towards the world. The Torah doesn't have to tell us that. It's self-evident. So why does the Torah speak about it? Because you're going to look at the story of those people and wonder, one second, it doesn't look like Hashem is so angry at them. Look at the people who lived during that period. Many of them lived beyond the 120 years allocated for human lifespan. In that case, it's really difficult to understand. How does it make any sense that such bad, wicked people should live so long? And they did, you'd think, maybe because Hashem was really compassionate towards them or was not angry at them. You might have thought, despite the fact that these were people who did terrible sins, there must have been some element of what they did that somehow impressed Hashem. For whatever reason, take for example the people of the Tower of Babel. They had this tremendous unity. Maybe that impressed Hashem. Or Sholem, that they had peace between them. That they honored their parents, which is something Rashi speaks about in the context of how could Avram Avinu abandon his father Terach for all those years? Because apparently at that time people did respect their parents. So maybe there was something that appealed to Hashem and maybe he wasn't so angry at them. Maybe he was even satisfied with them. The Torah wants to clearly debunk that thinking and that's why it gives us the inverted nun so we should know very clearly these people did not do anything that found favor in Hashem's eyes 
Lahoris, the Torah wants to tell us, not only was Hashem not pleased with their behavior, but he was actually angry, so to speak. How did they live for so long? That's Hashem's decision, and we have no rational explanation for it, why bad people should be allowed to live for so long. Or perhaps we could come from a different angle and say, it's rational to understand. Adam Arishan, who was the prototype made by Hashem himself, should obviously be the longest living human being that ever exists. Obviously, he's made by Hashem's hands. Problem is, unfortunately, that would have been the case had he not eaten from the forbidden fruit, and that changed everything. And as time passes, you would expect a diminution, a reduction of human lifespan. So, okay, yes, they lived longer than us, but shorter than other Mauritian. Maybe that also makes sense. Now, Rashi doesn't make it his business because he's explaining the Pshat of the Pasuk. So he doesn't outwardly explain to us why these people over the 10 generations from Adam to Noach and then the 10 generations from Noach to Avram actually lived so long even though they didn't deserve to. But Rashi does allude to why that might be the case. And we're going to see how he does this when he tells us not just anger, but he says, We're going to see that the word alludes to a very powerful spiritual concept, which generally speaks to how bad things, sorry, how bad people can have good things. We have already discussed numerous times that embedded inside Rashi's commentary are the, not only the secrets of Torah, but the wine, the beauty of Torah. The Chazal tell us that the 26 generations from the beginning of creation until the Torah was given were living on outright kindness from Hashem. What does that mean? Chassidus explains. Chassidus explains this wasn't ordinary chesed, the chesed that we normally experience in our world, but rather the chesed that fueled the life of all of these people for those 26 generations. That was a kindness of Hashem that is outside of the entire structure and system of creation. Shesham, from that perspective, when you're at such an elevated level, that's a level at which our behavior doesn't actually have an impact on Hashem. So if we do good things, it doesn't make Hashem happy. If we do bad things, it doesn't, so to speak, upset Hashem. In other words, we're talking here about a level or a perspective which is beyond the concept of the impact of our behavior, of our mitzvahs, or our averis. And therefore, when Hashem is operating from such an aloof and elevated position, even those people who are the rogues of society, who are the most wicked of the wicked, they can actually receive all the flow of life force and brocha needed not only to succeed, but to succeed in the long term. So there's this mega difference between the nature of the 26 generations prior to the giving of the Torah and life after the giving of the Torah where we are held accountable and we're expected to earn our keep. We could actually split the 26 generations prior to Matan Torah also into two parts. You have Chav Doris 
the first 20 generations, which is from Adam until Avram, before we enter into the two millennia dedicated to the dissemination of and the introduction of Torah into the world, those first 20 generations, they experienced free love from Hashem in a way that even the six generations from Avram Avinu did not have. And that's why they had these lengthy lifespans. And that's why Rashi speaks over here about this idea that there's charoin af. We're about to discover that the word anger and in its Hebrew version of charon or charoin, or as we're going to see, nochar, is what, the various forms of anger that could be presented in the world. In our context, we could have asked a simple question. The word in the Pasuk is Choron. And Choron tra- translates to Choron, which is anger. Why does Rashi modify the term and call it Choron Af? All Rashi really needed was to link the word Choron to the word Choron. He doesn't have to insert the extra word Af. Why does he do it? Because that extra word af is going to allude to this principle that the world at that time is living off Hashem's good graces. It's living off an energy of kindness which is beyond the entire structure of creation including the spiritual realms. It's all going to be alluded to in that word af which alludes to an energy that is beyond Hishtalshus, that right now sounds like an abstract concept. We'll explain it in a moment. You've got to think for a moment about the human anatomy. Af, the nose, is up here. Choron is related to Goroin, which is the neck. There's the need to connect the intellectual and emotional experience. And based on that, we'll understand what the difference is between Choron and Choronaf. So Rashi in Parashas Bashalach says that the word Choron is also alluded to the word Choron. Now Choron might sound very similar to the word Choron as in anger, but what we're going to find is the difference between Choron is that Choron is typically Af, it's associated with the nose, whereas Chora is associated also with the throat. Like the Pasuk Continuum tells us that my, my throat dried up. Okay? So Chora actually doesn't mean just classically to be angry, it means to dry up. Now that's the difference between chara versus choron, but we're going to see that in the word choron, it could apply, it could imply both of these possibilities. So here Rashi is telling us that the word choron is associated with charoin af, flaring of nostrils, and that form of anger. And then there's Bez Choron, but then there's also the possibility that the word Choron equates numerically with the word Goron, which is the throat. And Choron is the same letters as that word Nochar, to dry out the throat. And of course, when a person has a dry throat, they cannot um, express their voice in the normal way. We need to understand what is the difference between anger in the nostrils and anger in the throat or the dry throat. The purpose of the throat is to create a channel of connection between the intellect and the emotion, the mind and the heart. In other words, the way the human being is designed is that what's going on in our mind will influence how we feel. 
And in order to get ideas, abstract ideas, to have an influence in a concrete way on emotions, it has to go through this narrow passageway of the throat. Now, if the throat is dry, you know what it feels like when your throat is dry. It feels like it's closing up. So that, doesn't, that implies a situation where the, conce- the conceptual knowledge that a person has cannot translate into the feelings that they should actually feel. Whereas the nose, of course, is at a higher anatomical position, so it's above the throat. The nose is the, 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 the faculty that we use in order to smell. Smell is something that bypasses the whole intellectual system and gets in touch with our soul in a very deep way. And so therefore it represents, and so does the nose represent, a dimension of self that is actually even beyond the mind. So to get from the mind to the heart, you've got to go through the throat. But the nose represents accessing a point which is even beyond the mind itself. And we know this because we know that, that the... the, the um, faculty of smell, the sense of smell, is the one that is most evocative, that, that brings up the most, the, the deepest memories that a person has and so on and so forth. So in other words, it obviously short circuits the entire system, gets to a point within us that is deeper even than our intellect. So that's why Rashi over here in our Pasuk says that Choron represents Choron Af because he's talking about a flow of energy that's coming into the world from a level that is higher than Ishtalshalus, that is higher than the entire structural system of creation. And that is alluded to Bacharon Af. Rashi does not want us to associate the word Choron over here with a dry throat, with the blockage of intellectual into emotional. Because the subject of this particular part of the Torah is those generations who lived before the Torah was given. And their entire survival and sustenance depended on a dimension of godly input and energy, which is beyond Chochmah, which is beyond uh, the intellectual, the rational, which you want to feed down, so to speak, through the throat into emotions. So therefore the state that the throat is in, the passage to transfer information from the intellectual into the emotional is irrelevant because we're not using that system right now. We're not looking for a passage that will connect intellect with emotion. That's why Rashi says what's going on in the world before Avraham Avinu comes. There is haroin, there is anger, but it's haroin af. That means to say that the way the world is going to run is from a dimension where all the misbehavior on earth actually doesn't inflict any wound, doesn't make any difference. And therefore the chesed keeps pouring into the world because it comes from higher than Ishtashlus and therefore it is charoin af. Therefore Rashi points out that this concept that really bad people could get this tremendous input of chesed that is from a level totally beyond the structures of existence. That was a system that only existed until Avram. Because that is a system that belongs to the 2,000 years of chaos, which was the early part of human experience. But when you enter now the next phase, which is the beginning of the 2,000 years of revealing and teaching Torah, then that freebie ends. Now it's no longer that Hashem in His absolute infinite benevolence just gives everybody whatever they want, whether they deserve it or not. Now we're entering into the world of Torah with our checks and balances and their rules, and you have to do the right thing in order to be rewarded. Now anything that is going to enter into the space of this world in order to give energy and life to any being has to be audited by the Torah.
וזה גם מהפיר ועתם מהפנים לכך שהנה נעד אברהם חי נפש עמוק, הם אומרים אז דווקא בשינוי דנון פשוטו, and because that's the message over here, that message is specifically represented by the letter נון, and not just an ordinary נון, an inverted נון, and the final נון in particular, because the final נון is a really paradoxical letter. Once you enter into the realm of Torah, becoming part and part of the parcel of the reality of this world, which starts with Avram Avinu, then that very powerful energy of godliness that is beyond the system actually starts to enter into the system, which is a huge paradox because by definition it shouldn't be able to feed into the system, yet it does. Now the big issue is this. As long as you have very powerful energy outside of a system, there is no control over who gets to benefit from that energy. Once that really powerful energy starts to be graded by a system, then it only goes to those who are deserving and there can't be any possibility of parasitical growth of that system. So Kabbalah and Hasidus explain that when you have this massive kind of energy running in the world, the negative forces can leach onto that energy only so long as it is this open source, infinite energy that has no boundaries and no rules. But once we start to conduct that mega energy into something very specific and focused, which is ultimately what the purpose is, then it becomes focused. And it's no longer free game for just anybody to come along and leech onto it. This is all alluded to in that inverted nun, which is an absolutely paradoxical letter. Because on the one hand, on the one hand, this is the letter nun, which represents 50, which represents the sharhan on the 50th dimension of existence, which is completely beyond anything that we know in the existence of creation. And yet on the other hand, but look at the nun, it's the longest of all of our letters, implying something that descends into the lowest of the low. Total paradox. The highest of the high and the lowest of the low. Why is that? Because what the final nun represents is the drawing down of this intense, infinite energy of Hashem, which is beyond the structure of creation. From a dimension that has no limits on its upward trajectory. Brings it down into the lowest possible existence. When you succeed in doing that, it completely neutralizes the possibility for any negative force to draw energy from this massive energy. And all of the value gets shared only with things which are meaningful and holy. In Lekutatera, the Alter Rebbe relates this to the final nun in the words of Boisid Bokun, that we should cleave to Hashem. And he explains, that what it actually means is that it's our responsibility to bring down 
that incredible connection to Hashem, or boy sit bakun, le mata mata, down into our actual tangible reality. Until our physical world becomes absolutely holy. Which would then block the possibility of any negative force in the world being able to derive any value and benefit and life force from that energy. Those 2,000 years of Torah which launched with Avram Avinu, they are to prepare the world for the 2,000 years of Mashiach. At which point all of those dimensions of godliness which are completely beyond us will be made available to us in a personal and tangible way. And then we'll see the fulfillment of, as the Rebbe quotes, then that Hashem will completely eradicate any spirit of impurity from the face of the earth. But be us, Mashiach, with the coming of Mashiach immediately.